First, the Empress Marie Louise and her son were to obtain passports and an escort to enable them to repair to the Emperor. But far from performing this promise, the wife was separated by force from her husband, the son from his father, and this under painful circumstances, when the strongest mind finds it necessary to seek consolation and support in the bosom of its family and domestic affections. Second, the safety of Napoleon, of the imperial family and of their suite, was guaranteed, Article 14 of the treaty, by all the powers. Yet bands of assassins were organized in France under the eyes of the French government, and even by its orders, as the solemn proceedings against Sir Bobriel will shortly prove to attack both the emperor, his brothers, and their wives. This first branch of the plot, falling of the expected success, a tumult was planned at Orgon, on the road taken by the emperor, in order to make an attempt against his life by the hands of some brigands. One of the cutthroats of Georges, the Sir Brulart, raised for the purpose to the rank of major general, known in Brittany, in Anjou, in Normandy, in Levant, throughout all England, by the blood he has shed, was sent to Corsica as governor in order to prepare and ensure the crime. And, in fact, several solitary assassins attempted in the island of Elba to gain, by the murder of Napoleon, the culpable and disgraceful salary which was promised them. Third, the duchies of Parma and Placentia were given in full propriety to Marie-Louise for herself, her son, and his descendants. Yet, after long refusal to put them into possession, the injustice was consummated by an absolute spoliation. Under the illusory pretext of an exchange without valuation, without proportion, without sovereignty, without consent, and the documents existing in the Office of Foreign Affairs, of which we have had an account presented to us, prove that it was at the instance and through the intrigues of the Prince of Benevento that Marie-Louise and her son were despoiled. Fourth, a suitable establishment, out of France, had been given to Prince Eugene, the adopted son of Napoleon, who has done honor to France, where he was born, and gained the affection of Italy, where he was naturalized, yet he has obtained nothing. Fifth, the emperor had stipulated, Article Three of the treaty, in favor of his brave soldiers the preservation of their salaries from the Napoleon Fund. He had reserved out of the extraordinary domain, and the funds remaining of the civil list, the means of recompensing his servants, and to paying the soldiers that attached themselves to his fate. The whole was taken away and kept back by the ministers of the Bourbons. An agent of the French soldiers went in vain to Vienna to claim for them the most sacred of all property, the price of their valor and their blood. Sixth, the preservation of the property, movable and immovable, of the emperor's family is stipulated by the same treaty, Article Six. yet it has been despoiled of both in France, with force of arms, by commissioned brigands, in Italy, by the violence of military commanders, in both countries by seizures and sequestrations solemnly appointed. Seventh, the Emperor Napoleon was to receive two millions of francs a year, and his family two millions and a half, agreeably to the distribution fixed by Article Six of the treaty. But the French government has constantly refused to fulfill these engagements, and Napoleon would have soon seen himself reduced to the necessity of dismissing his faithful guard for want of the means of ensuring its pay, if he had not found in the grateful remembrances of the bankers and merchants of Genoa the honorable resource of a loan of twelve millions which was offered him. Eighth, in fine, 
it was not without a motive that certain persons were desirous of separating from Napoleon by any means the companions of his glory, models of attachment and constancy, unshaken guarantees of his life and safety. The island of Elba was secured to him in full property, Article Three of the treaty, yet the resolution to deprive him of it, desired by the Bourbons and solicited by their agents, had been taken at the Congress. And if Providence in its justice had not interposed, Europe would have seen attempts made against the person, the liberty of Napoleon, banished forever at the mercy of his enemies, far from his family, separated from his servants, either to St. Lucy or to St. Helena, which was assigned him as a present.